With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. People pay good money to see this movie. When they go out to a theater, they want cold sodas, hot popcorn, and no monsters in the projection booth. Everyone pretend podcasting isn't boring. Turn it off. This is the moment for you to show us what is real right now. You believe it's 6.27 p.m., but that couldn't be further from the truth. Could be. This is the first day of the rest of your life, but if you want it... You gotta fight for it. Do you remember how you got here? You've lost your capacity to discern reality from fiction. What's real is here and now. 6.28 p.m. Anything else is just your mind playing tricks on you. It becomes a problem when fantasies endanger us. We don't want anyone to get hurt, do we? Welcome to a special crossover episode of The Projection Booth and The Culture Cast. I'm your host, Mike White. Joining me is my other host, Chris Dashew. I am the one, or maybe half of the equation, we don't know. On this episode, we are talking about Matrix Resurrections. Is it plural, or is it just resurrection? The Matrix Resurrections. Or if you're into the whole, you know, making it even more complicated, The Matrix 4, colon, Resurrections. And if this you had on a... your bingo sheet Matrix and Erections in the same title of a film for this year, you have crossed that one out for 2021 bingo. Right at the end, but you've you've crossed it out. Can you believe that there is a fourth Matrix movie now? Yes, and I'm going to tell you right here, Mike, controversial opinion, I am so glad that there is. I loved this movie. This movie is made for people who watch The Matrix at my age and are now hyper-disillusioned with everything. 
I loved this movie. But to answer your question, like anything else, being a fan of wrestling has taught me anything. There is no such thing as never say never. Anything <laughs> can happen as long as that Brinks truck has enough money. Because I was reading today. Do you know how they, they got this movie made? They asked the Wachowskis every year since the fucking last movie came out if they wanted to do another Matrix movie. Every wow. year they approached them, Warner Brothers did. That's insanity. And apparently at some point, Lana had an idea and called up Keanu and said, hey, I got this idea, and he was on board. So the onus for the idea was, I guess, Lana Wachowski's parents passed away. A couple family members passed away, and so she was feeling, I guess, really removed from the world. This was in the last couple years. And so the the interview that I read said, like, having these characters alive and back in the world was comforting for me. And I will tell you, just right out of the gate, if you go into this movie expecting Matrix at all, prepare to be disappointed. Neo never picks up a gun, folks. No. Let that shit sink in for like a moment and just think about that. That's where we are. Matrix movies without guns for the main character. There's some interesting things that they do in here. The plotting is strange. There was one moment towards the beginning where I was like... Is anything going to happen in here? This movie is going to be for fans of Westworld. There's like some hardcore Westworld stuff in this, in this movie too. I was getting a lot of the Watchmen TV series and that's not just because of Mr. Mateen walking around in the buff, uh, most of the time. Right. Like Dr. Manhattan. Talk about a career Yaya, uh, Yaha Abdul Mateen has had already. Yeah. He's played Dr. Manhattan. He's played Morpheus. He's played Black Manta. Coming into the scene and just knocking it out of the park. I love him. He's He's fantastic. So we've mentioned we're talking spoilers. We should, yeah. If you haven't seen The Matrix Resurrections yet, turn off the podcast. Right. Uh, We're going to be spoiling it. I would say go ahead and watch it. I I think I enjoyed this movie, too. I really was set to hate this thing, and I thought that the studio had abandoned it because we just did not get the hype that a movie like this, I think kind of deserved do you know when the first piece of marketing came out do you want to give me a guess we've joked Uh, about it before but do you know the actual day september 11th 2021 24th of this year Uh, i wasn't that far off wow there was an article that i read that was like and we're not going to spoil it but i'm going to mention it because you how can we not mention it there was an article i was reading that was like how did spider-man no way home make so much money and it's like, because Marvel spent a year promoting the fuck out of this movie. This movie, there was, nothing. There was no teaser at the Super Bowl nope. for Matrix Resurrections. Nope. All you would have had 15 seconds, the computer code comes down, there's a blip, that's it. That's all you needed to know. They didn't even need to say the title. Just show us the glyph. Just show us the yeah. green glyphs. That's it. That's all we needed. But no, nothing. So strange. It is strange because, like you mentioned, I too was set up and ready to hate this movie. I think we all were, and I think it was a mixture of, at least for me, I'd be curious where you come down. My thing was the mixture of hatred before this came out, and this is a rare thing because I don't like getting stuck in these like nerd anger loops that there are so many angry nerds who are like, I hate this before I've even seen it. Like, Great, that's really just you're giving the rest of us a bad name. The second and third movies were really bad. Oh, yeah. They're not narratively bad. They're just not fun movies. And they kind of have a problem with getting out of their own way, which this movie has a problem with. But I think this movie, 
learned from the mistakes of almost too well. I don't think there's anything nice I can say about the second and third Matrix films. No. Like, I don't like the pacing. The action scenes go on for way too long. The whole idea of the ghosts and werewolves that are programs, the new Oracle, the key master, the subway dude. Train man. Yeah. It's like, just shut the fuck up. It's like they were so up their own ass with their own mythology so quickly. Yeah, Agent Smith possessing the guy, and then he's in their world. And there is some of that here, though, but I think it's handled really well. Much better. I think the weakest part of Matrix Resurrections was one of the weakest parts of the second and third movies, and that's Jada Pinkett Smith. I didn't like her character in this at all, because she's a much younger woman playing a way older woman and her makeup looks worse than Halle Berry's did in Cloud Atlas. And I'm just like, oh, this is bad. Luckily, she's not on screen for very long, but I'm trying to remember if I ever liked her and it's tough. And so when she showed up in this movie and I was like, wait a second, who is this? I know this character name, I think. And then as soon as she started to talk, I'm like, whoever this is, they are way younger than they are pretending to be. Right. It was a really bad old lady performance. It was like Tim Conway did better as the little old man than she did as this little old woman. So we should explain where this old lady stuff comes from. So between the last movie and this movie, 60 years have passed. First off, we're in the future from where we were and not just, you know, chronological what would it be i guess 20 10 10 years it's been 18 years since the last matrix film so if we factor that into the equation they're doing something much different 60 years in the future it turns out neo and trinity are alive they've been kept alive since the last movie in these kind of resurrection pods yeah they kind of been rebuilt with nanites and stuff i would think that they're almost more machine than human after seeing the scene of them being put back together yeah i didn't know what to think of that they don't explain it which frankly i'm okay like given how much over explaining the last two movies did it's nice to have this one just kind of be like good ideas are being thrown out a lot of them land some of them are kind of you know iffy because they again you can under explain some things and not get away with it but trinity and neo are alive being kept in essentially where they died in that robot city you see at the end of the third movie there is still this groundswell of people that believe that they're alive. And one of these captains, played by Jessica Henwick, sees him one day and commits herself to finding Neo. While this is all going on, Neo and Trinity are in the Matrix, but they it's, it's kind of like that RPD movie where it's like everybody else sees you as one thing, but you view yourself as who you actually are. Wow, R.I.P.D. gets a mention? I mean, that's what it's reminded me of. It is. It so is. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why no one could find them. They've been alive this whole time, linked into the Matrix, but... They could, no one could find them because they didn't look like their normal selves. Their digital scans were being, I think, blocked. And so. Even though he was a guy named Thomas Anderson working at a software company that made a game called The Matrix. They still couldn't figure out that that was the Thomas Anderson. But right. And they even said again, that. They even said that. They said like, yes. they looked at everyone. And to be fair, again, it's this, it's this thing of like, they couldn't see him as Neo, which right. it's a little, I will give them credit for writing themselves 
pretty well out of the corner of Trinity and Neo are, for fact, in the real world still alive. I did not expect that at all. I didn't expect right. that that was where they were going with this at all. Yeah, they've been plugged back into their pods. And yeah, now they are here. And I, I did like, you get to see little glimpses of them. It's very well put together as far as there were certain things where I actually backed up the movie a few times and rewatched it. And I was like, did I just see an old man in that reflection? Right. Did I just see her reflection in the table of a different person? Did I see that the heart of the city hotel says, for those who like to eat shit? It was interesting how they put in these little Easter eggs throughout. I, so the reason it said that is because, remember, again, that is inside of that little loop thing that Keanu Reeves is running. And so he right. knows someone is going to hit the sign. So I think it's just like a joke, like someone's going to eat shit off this sign. There, it, it's again, the, like you just mentioned, the movie is, it does the fan service thing way better than like any movie I've seen. I cannot yeah. believe that I'm going to say this. This is the best kind of this movie I've seen. And that's even taking into account Force Awakens, the Halloween reboot. Like this is the best soft reboot of a series I've seen. Because I genuinely, by the end of this film, I want to see where they go with this. I unabashedly am excited to see where they go if they fuck it up like they did the last two times. Different story. But they nailed the landing with the sen like the sentimentality and the nostalgia way better than I really thought they could. Do you think they're going to do a fifth one? I mean, the analyst is still in the machine. Agent Smith has something going on that's unexplained, even to the creator of the Matrix who reports to the robots. Even he doesn't understand what's going on. So I, I don't know. Yeah. They left, they've left it open. Kind of like with the 1999 film, you could have never made a sequel to that movie and it would have stood on its own. I would be okay if they don't do a fifth. Yeah, I would too. But if they do, I, yeah, we'll see what they do. Right. Yeah, the analyst, the Neil Patrick Harris character, so we find out that Neo has memories of being out of the Matrix, in the Matrix movies. You know, he has those memories, and they still come back to him at times. So he's been seeing a therapist for years and years and years. Right. And his therapist is played by Neil Patrick Harris. He doesn't really have a character name. They just call him the analyst, though I think he's pretty much the architect from right he's the, the new second or third he's the new right. guy, yeah. and i did like that they named his cat deja vu and i was like okay that's clever and i thought for sure the cat was gonna have something bigger to do like there's one part where he's like trying to get to the cat and i'm like oh shit is he gonna like hit the bell and something will happen i'm glad that they didn't go down that road and i like this whole idea of him neo slash thomas anderson not really knowing what's real, what's not. This whole idea of him having to take this blue pill every single day to basically his symbol of, I agree with what's going on and kind of go from there. This whole idea of him, quote unquote. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Committing suicide by leaping off of a building. 
Uh, and I'm glad that they didn't really take that too much farther either, which was nice. So yeah, they set up a lot of, of fun things in here and yeah, they don't beat you over the head with a lot of stuff. And- I mean, until we get to what is the matrix when they're brainstorming what the fourth game should be. And I did like that it was Warner Brothers who was saying you have to make this fourth game now. Well, and that was the thing that you mentioned that is the true mind fuck, I think, of this movie. And I think it's the smartest I think it's the smartest thing about this movie. So what they've done is, like you mentioned just now, the ma- in in this universe, the Matrix, as we've seen those movies, is actually a video game that you play and experience Thomas Anderson's dreams, I guess, or or what he's perceiving as his dreams or his creative thought, but it is actually the first three films, his true experiences. So in the game, when they they show clips from the movies, the original three movies, that you're meant to perceive that as the game that he has created. And in the Mm -hmm. game, he's created a character based off of Trinity. But I think it's really smart that they go kind of meta, right? They're like, the Matrix movies existed, but not as you know them. So here's how we kind of write ourselves out of having to reintroduce the characters, because you could just be like, I don't really need to know those first three movies to appreciate this one. That's the other thing here, is -hmm. they've made it so you don't even have to know the first three movies. They do a pretty good job of like letting you kind of know the beats that you would need to know. In a way that, I mean, I don't know of a lot of movies that have done that either. They're like cutting away to another movie all the time. It would seem strange, but in this movie, it kind of works. I know my wife was a little confused. She's like, were those flashbacks? Were those memories? And I'm like, maybe-ish. Yeah. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. I mean, when they're trying to extract them from the Matrix at one point, they go into a movie theater and they have clips from the movie playing on a torn screen and then he's kind of experiencing the same thing. So yeah, to your point, it's those beats from the first movie are now being echoed in this new movie. But it's uh, unlike force awakens where they don't acknowledge it. This movie acknowledges it and doesn't, they're not saying like, Oh, we're acknowledging it because we're too lazy to do something different. They're saying we're acknowledging it and we're changing how you remember the scenario playing out. We're changing it. We're upping the stakes, making it crazier. They're finally explaining the whole mirror thing. They never explained yeah. it in, I mean, it really only existed in the first movie with the, like the mirror liquid. They never explain it. And in this one, they kind of explain that it's a, a portal that they can use because they don't need phone booths anymore. They can just kind of travel through mirrors, which I, I, I mean, special effects, you know, obviously that's a special effects thing that they really wanted to show. And I think it works, but. Giving us what we've seen before in a different way is something that nostalgia movies like this one, like Force Awakens, do. It's just weird to see them not, it's weird to see them not, not, not acknowledge it. I guess acknowledging it is weird, right? Personally, I hate the Merovingian character. I hated everything about him in the previous movies. I was actually kind of happy when I saw the Merovingian show up, especially because he just looks like he's been having a horrible life for the last 60 years. And I'm like, good. That's what that character deserves. He's Winrar on your computer. Would you like to buy me or can I keep, can we keep being used for free? You know, (laughs) I think they explained them as like an exiled program. That's Mm -hmm. like in the, you know, in the recycling bin, but hasn't been deleted or something to that effect. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I mean, you know, we haven't talked about 
the kind of the big thing of this movie, which is the recasting of Morpheus, which I also think is the way they get around it is really smart because it's it is recasting. And the way the movie explains it is he's essentially a a program that escape that programs can escape now. Yeah, that whole idea of the programs now working with humans I thought that was very, very smart. Not all robots like, are bad. Not all robots. Yeah. Hashtag not all robots. <laughs> there are good robots on both, both sides. sides. I thought, oh boy, these like little robot mascots that they have on their ship are going to be really annoying. Like the one reminded me of the bad little robots from the Transformers films. Yeah. Yep. 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 I thought the and same thing. And when they did thing. a high five, I was like, oh God, no, please, no more of this. And they didn't give us any more of that. And I was, fine with that and i i was glad to see the um sati character show up as that kind of like uh, butterfly-esque type character the robot and i was like okay this yeah this works and this whole idea of morpheus existing as morpheus inside of the matrix but morpheus existing as like i was saying before dr manhattan this kind of naked um it's like this magnet storm type thing and that was interesting that they can have these programs now have a physical presence in the actual world and having him and then having a few others, the guy who's helping Jada Pinkett Smith uh, grow the strawberries. It's like, okay, this actually works pretty good that they're able to do that. And now that the special effects allow you to have these things and be like, oh, this looks pretty good. This looks way better than that baby face from 2003. Well, and the other thing I would say, just kind of writ large for the film, you know, obviously this is not the Wachowskis, plural, this is the Wachowskis, singular, Lana Wachowski. So I can't speak for Lily Wachowski, but as far as I can perceive it, Lana Wachowski has really matured as a filmmaker and as a screenwriter. Because again, we, we joke about the not all robots thing. Playing in the gray area is much more exciting than going, it's humans versus robots. Right. We've seen that shit a million times. But humans versus robots, but some of the robots say, nah, fuck the other robots who don't like the humans. Why are we fighting them? That's much right. more interesting. That's much more fun to mine. I did realize in Matrix, I guess season two and three, a program's already left and gone into the real world. Right. Agent Smith did. This just feels like higher stakes now. Right. And that was more like a possession film right. than it was kind of this transference of consciousness going across right. and being ha- having a presence without needing to take over something. Because you've already got this whole idea of body takeover stuff, especially Trinity when they transfer her over from being in a pod to her consciousness now is free and sh- so is her body inside of the Matrix and outside of the Matrix. I am glad that they weren't doing you know that same – because two and three – it felt like they delved more into the supernatural with the ghost brothers mm. and yeah, the possession of the guy on one of the ships and stuff. The guy who blinds Neo. Yeah, exactly. Whenever I see that whole thing about being blinded, I'm just like, wasn't Paul Atreides blinded in the second Dune book as right. well? Right, I think so. We usually see the Messiah story. We don't see chapter two of the Messiah story too often. And to be fair, I mean, this movie is kind of, again, as a more mature filmmaker, this film also breaks down and deconstructs the Messiah myth that it created. Y- you know what this movie reminded me of a lot? And it's it's another Keanu movie. 
It's a movie that you and I talked about a year ago. This reminds me of Bill and Ted. It's like that whole, you're not the one, they're the one. And it's right. it's that same thing. And like, I will say the same thing I said in that movie for this one. I kind of don't mind that. I don't mind that. And I especially like the empowerment of Trinity. Oh, fuck that, yeah. Yeah, that was fucking fantastic. When they jump off that roof and she's the one that's flying and he's holding on for dear life. I was like, yeah, that's the way it's going now. So great. Carrie Ann Moss is a fantastic actress. And I do not, like, you know, you have these movies like the Jennifer Garner movie where it's like Buttercup or Butterfly or something. Peppermint, maybe? Peppermint, yeah. And then you have all these movies with these actresses where they're trying to convince me that they're badasses. I don't have to be convinced Carrie Ann Moss is a badass and that she doesn't take shit from people. She looks like she doesn't. I believe it. She looked so good and just so tough when she was working on that motorcycle and she's got the tank top on and stuff. It's just like... Yeah, she's just such a kick-ass lady, and I love she rocks the short hair and everything. Looks really good, and yeah, she just kicks ass when she finally like gets her empowered moment towards the end, and then especially at almost the very end when she goes and revisits the analyst. I was like, this is really kind of kick-ass. I really enjoy this. Marvel, take a note. That's how you do it with female characters. Don't force it. Just let it happen. Yeah, luckily they didn't have a shot of like her and bugs and Sati and <laughs> Niobe like with an explosion right. behind them. Yeah, you don't have to do that. Slow motion right. dolly across there. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to do that to convince us that the character's a badass. Just show her being badass, but also she's a clearly a vulnerable character because the entire premise of the Matrix now is similar to the other Wachowski films. It's all about kind of your fate and I guess love or the people in your life that affect your fate. And now again, they've changed the rules in a good way. They've said, it's not about just Neo. Neo Mm -hmm. isn't enough. It's Neo and Trinity. They make the one together. I think that's smart, frankly. I think so too, because it was kind of that problem that we see in too many superhero films where suddenly you know, Neo, by the end of the first Matrix, was almost invincible. As soon as he flies off, it's like, oh, okay. And then when it's the second movie, it's like, no, he's actually not that powerful. And it's like, wait, no, you just showed us that he was. And then they kind of wanted their cake and eat it too. And so now by having him not really as powerful as Trinity, or they're much more powerful together, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, this works. So now they can both be their own individual badasses, but... Together, yeah, they're a force to be reckoned with. We mentioned at the top of this the whole Neo never picks up a gun thing, which, given what I would go out on a limb, professional opinion here, I think you might agree, the moment that most people remember from The Matrix has to do with guns. Ooh, guns, guns, guns! It's the lobby scene. There's none of that in this. I mean, there are action scenes in this that are pretty well made in a 2021 action film you know, universe where we have CGI and quick cuts all the time with stuff. But this movie is a very different animal than the other Matrixes. From the story being very much more reined in, from what they're talking about being a little bit more esoteric. And I think even, it was Eastern philosophy with guns before. Now it's Eastern philosophy with possibly pacifism. I mm-hmm. I think almost Neo is like leaning towards being a pacifist. It's It's strange in a way, but I think it works. But it... It, this is just, I think a lot of people didn't like this movie because they were expecting something else, which I don't blame them. 
Well, I find it interesting, this whole idea of bots and that it's not just the agents. You know, having the idea of bots makes it a little bit easier to take when they start, because there are people with guns, when they start gunning down, quote unquote, normal people. They're not normal people. They're all possessed. It kind of reminded me of a really horrible movie. It reminded me of The Suicide Squad. Or, sorry, Suicide Squad. Or was it a Suicide Squad? It reminded me of both Suicide Squad movies because there are normal people that are taken over by something else. And then they get murdered by the heroes. But with this one, it's a little bit easier to take with this whole idea of like, okay, we are in a computer simulation. This one, I was able to to handle that a little bit more. And I really saw this as being much more of a zombie film. Like the scene of them on the train being attacked by all the Japanese people. I was like, oh, okay, this is, I know it's not a Japanese film. This is like Train to Busan. And then when they're out on the street and there are all those bots coming for them, I'm like, this is a zombie film. All of these, this is like Resident Evil. All of these zombies, for lack of a better term, running after them, attacking the car and just swarming them not even needing guns. The people didn't have guns. And oh my God, when they started throwing themselves out of the buildings. Oh my God. What right? a visual, right? It was so what, good. I was like, wow, visual. this is really great filmmaking. Yeah. So what Mike is talking about is during a chase scene through downtown San Francisco, the the bots. So, okay. So are the bots, let me give you what my interpretation is. You tell me what your interpretation was. Are they real people or are they just like computer generated NPCs? It feels like they're all computer-generated NPCs. Which I think, for me, in my opinion, that should have been the whole idea from the get-go in this series. Right. If it's in a computer simulation, you never have to have them killing real people. Unless it's real I'm, people involved in trying to be part of the system as opposed to being freed from it, which we've never seen yet. The idea which is kind of, of what they're building towards, I think, by the way. When the analyst says, uh, and I can't remember the character's name, um, but he's like, oh, this guy here who works with, um, oh, her hand, I think, yeah, Kusha. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think was his name? Yep, yep. Yeah, he's like, oh, well, this guy, you know, he's, yeah, he's her handler. And then Chad, uh, the Carrie Ann Moss's, uh, Tiffany character, her husband, when he becomes possessed, I was like, okay, that makes total sense. He's been there watching her and making sure she's, you know, just like she's got a handler at work. She's got a handler at home and she should never stray from the path with these two men looking over her, which I assume are programs. Yes, I assume that they've been programs the whole time. Right. And her kids. So when they all came running in like, oh, so-and-so broke her arm. We have to go. I'm just like, okay. And I'm glad she saw through that. Nope, I'm here now with Neo and this is more important. This is real. And you guys aren't real. My family's not real. So Handsome Chad was the director of John Wick, by the way. Oh, very nice. Chad Stolhesky. Nice. So yeah, okay. it's, yeah, it's, um, it's really interesting. I don't know why they never made a bigger point of being like, who you are killing. Cause that would have been a line that Morpheus could have thrown out 
in that scene where he's sitting with the TV with Keanu in the first movie, he could have been like, most of the people that we're going to encounter are not really people, but just programs in the Matrix. Like, that would have been a throwaway line. That should have been the case. It clearly seems to be the case now. I'm okay with that change because, again, there was no need for them to kill real people. Why? Well, because the whole point of these movies was to free more real people. And ostensibly murder them. Right. And I was glad, too, that they talked about how the power output wasn't enough from people. But now that there is more conflict, there's more power being generated and really monsters in it, bro. Yeah, now this whole, the analyst slash architect character, it's like, oh yeah, we're keeping the whole world off balance, and that creates conflict, and that's why we have more power now as the robots. Do you think the analyst is making the pandemic right now? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, again, there's some stuff in this movie that I was just sitting thinking to myself, like, if we had never been in this pandemic, I wouldn't have thought anything about this line. But now it's like, I mean, obviously that was written intendedly that way. Well, the whole idea of like what the Matrix became for like men's rights, yahoos and political, um, uh, conspiracy theorists and all this, like, oh yeah, I, I red pilled. I'm, I can see clearly now all that kind of bullshit. I think they kind of call that out during yeah. the brainstorming sequence. And I was like, okay, good. Thank you for doing that. Again, as a much more, again, I will go back to it, a much more clearly mature filmmaker, you do get. The tearing down of the toxic masculinity that is associated with the original film. And I, you know, uh, Rodney Asher's A Glitch in the Matrix talks about that toxic masculinity with the case where the kid killed his parents because he was obsessed with the Matrix. And like you said, the Matrix does kind of, you know, red pilling. That's where that shit comes from. You know, he's a blue mm-hmm. pill. Oh, he's blue pilling himself every day. I really like that Lana Wachowski said, now fuck this shit. I'm taking it back, and I'm glad. Like, I'm glad that The Matrix, in my opinion, has been taken back away from that, like, really uh, uncomfortable toxic masculinity that I think everybody associates with that first one. The trench coat and the boots and the leather. And, like, it's great. It's great for visuals, but it's become something else entirely. So how about Agent Smith, Mike? What's up with that? Well, which Smith? Are you talking about the... Morpheus slash Agent Smith or the other Smith? Talking about Mr. Sexy, Jonathan Groff. The one thing I was hoping that he was saying, that he would say is, uh, at one point they're like, you're Smith. And I wanted him to say, I'm a Smith. Cause doesn't he say that in the Matrix? Yeah. He calls I think himself so. a Smith. Kinda I- does at the end. That's kind of his last line. It's like, I am anyone. I'm always there is that. Yeah, he's like, I'm always anyone. You have to be you, but I'm anyone, is what he said. Right. Yeah. And I like that they took that relationship from the second and third movie and matured it. And it's kind of more what I was hoping was going to happen in those movies, because rather than just him creating all those doubles and having that really weak-looking computer fight that they have, I was glad that he is kind of an ally but you can't really place your trust in him so that they're fighting and stuff and i was like oh that's that was probably my favorite fight in the film was when he and agent smith were fighting and we got those echoes of the shots of like when the agent is beating up morpheus and you have that uh overhead shot it's like that's pretty cool and then i like that you know to your point thomas anderson neo does not most of his powers seem to be defensive now. He's always right. stopping bullets or 
you know, pushing people away. He's not outwardly attacking him. But when he gives those two big Ryukens in the film, I was like, that's pretty cool. So when he like Ryukens Agent Smith across the room and maybe even out of the building, I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. I was glad for that. There's you see towards the end of the movie where Neil almost looks like weak. Where Trinity yeah. is like propping him up, and he's like just doing the the bullet. It's the bullet time now. Now it's bullet time. Shit, they call it bullet time in this movie. I love that. Yeah. It's like it's bullet time. Like whatever. Who cares anymore? Just, <laughs> who cares? You can't make a movie without being self referential anymore. Apparently, uh, which I'm okay with. But he looks like like frail. Like you said, he doesn't look like you know the guy from two and three who's flying around and hitting right. people with concrete at the end of a you know twelve foot pole. <laughs> You know. Right. Jesus. Uh, Jonathan Groff, though, um, it's funny. So Hugo Weaving, they approached him and he couldn't make his timing work. So Hugo okay. Weaving would have been in this movie. I'm glad he wasn't. I don't think there's a point. That story with that character is done. It's clear from the way he's written, he is the same Agent Smith, actually the same Agent Smith. But when Neo died, it seemed to have uh, freed him up somehow. It opened up his third eye, possibly, as one might say. Well, he was already starting to get free because Neo going through him and breaking him apart, that right. helped change him. So this is just a further evolution of Smith. Right. So I, I saw nothing. I was like, oh my god, that has to be Hugo Weaving. So when he – basically, as soon as they show him at the computer game company, and he – I mean, again, it's a replay of that first meeting that neo has with his boss but his boss you know we just talked about the matrix on the projection booth basically a lot of the lines from thomas anderson's boss are the same lines that agent smith gives to thomas anderson in the interrogation this whole like you're leading two lives one of them must end and so those two characters are joined at the hip so when he walked in and there's this guy standing there i was waiting for him to turn around and be like mr anderson what i didn't understand though is why is agent smith at that company is he being controlled by the analyst as well it feels like he is being kind of controlled because it feels like when he shoots the analyst because he shoots the analyst at the end feels like he like he's saying like i am free now yeah 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 yeah, it feels like now he has his own freedom even more. It feels like the analyst has his his thumbs on everything. Right. And that's and that was my interpretation, which it's funny because you have the three main characters, again, without Morpheus, from the last three movies, all under the thumb of Neil Patrick Harris's character until they're not. Right. I mean, and there there is that, you know, there's this great scene of Jonathan Groff's character looking at the desert eagle on the ground and you hear like all the sound drop out and it's just the music starts swelling it's like and you're just sitting there thinking like if he picks that gun up he's agent smith again and then they go right into it it's great i am so shocked at how good this movie is it's kind of mind-blowing it really is it is better than it has any right to be oh my god yeah yeah I think it helps out too that Lana was working with two of her writers from like Sensate and I think they also worked on Cloud Atlas. So it's like, all right, they have a history with right. her and there's that trust, I think. And it feels like there was a really good creative alliance between all the writers. And like you said, Lana, it feels like there is a maturity in the direction because 
frankly, I really haven't liked the last, I mean, other than the Matrix and Bound, I really don't like that many Wachowski films. So I feel like, oh, here we are. We've, we've come to a new place. This is actually pretty good. And I will admit, I haven't seen Sensate. So, but like Cloud Atlas, I was like, yeah, it's okay. But I was there more for Tom Twiker than I was for the Wachowskis. For most of the Wachowski stuff, I think it's just okay. Speed Racer is fun to look at, but that's about it. V for Vendetta, what is there to say? It's okay. Yeah, that that one I don't mind. Okay. I always yeah. forget that they made it. That's because it's almost not really a movie that they made. It's it it's like it's beholden to a source material. You know, Cloud Atlas. It's like three hours long. It's a it's a lot. It's a lot of a movie. Uh, I haven't seen Jupiter Ascending, but I know enough about oh, it boy. to stay away. <laughs> Sense8, I haven't seen either. I think that this was always the logical conclusion to revisit mm. The Matrix when, I mean, I think everybody expected they would both revisit The Matrix. They may both still revisit The Matrix. Lily may join Lana in the next film if there is one, but they've come full circle, and I think that this movie really is a testament to taking a step back from your franchise, addressing what needed to be fixed, mm-hmm. and actually, like, availing yourself to fix it. Because I'm not going to say this is a perfect movie, but, like, it's one of the better movies I've seen this year. It's better than Dune. Guess what? It's better than Dune, guys. And you know what? I know that that's an unpopular opinion because everybody loved Dune. But you'll have more fun in this movie asks more interesting questions than Dune does. And Dune tries to ask some interesting questions, and it falls flat on its face. Yeah, and this is actually a full movie. So you right. get to see right. a beginning, a middle, and an end. And it's kind of a false beginning, too, which I like. Like I said, at one point I was like, is something going to happen? Because, I mean, they do the, the smart thing by starting the movie off kind of with an action scene, this whole idea of them in this modal program and re-watching the Trinity scene from the very first movie, but then recasting it. When they didn't have the bullet time, I was like, okay, that's interesting. And when the agent showed up and it was different dialogue and it was obviously different people, different races even, I was like, okay, this is interesting. But, you know, some of the same lines, you know, no lieutenant, your men are already dead, those kind of things. Okay, this is kind of interesting. But then when things turn... It's like, oh, I like where this is headed. But then there's a long period of time where it's Thomas Anderson's life now. At first, I was concerned of just how long it was going on for. But then I was like, you know what? I'm actually okay with this. And I think they needed that amount of time to separate those sections and make us kind of doubt what was going on. It didn't feel like they were spoon feeding us like, well, of course this is going to happen. Of course that's going to happen. It felt like there was actually some wiggle room in there as far as like you can't really tell where this movie is going all the time which is to me one of the worst things now about so many movies where it's just like well of course this is going to be the next scene and of course in two scenes this is going to have to happen i mean when they're you know doubting whether trinity is going to be you know saved and all this i'm like well of course she's going to be saved that's the movie we're not going to kill her right now they didn't, which is good, but that wasn't one of those obvious things where, you know, that was the obvious things. It wasn't like some of the other ones where you're like, oh, I didn't see that happen. Okay, that's kind of cool. I will say almost not having an advertising campaign helped the movie because I had no fucking oh. idea what, like you said, I didn't know 
it's not made apparent when you turn the film on that Neo and Trinity are actually alive. That's not made right. clear until Jesus, a half an hour, almost an hour in, an hour. Yeah. It's an hour into a two and a half hour movie. They give you a little bit more information. You don't get everything until I would say the last like scene of the movie. You kind of figure out maybe what all the pieces are, at least at the moment. But yeah, giving the world time to breathe, doing some world building. That that first mm-hmm. hour reminded me. I mentioned Westworld. It reminded me of Westworld a little bit, where it's like you're just watching this character in their loop, as it were, and you watch him do the same thing every day, and he's getting, you know, wanting to leave the loop because he feels like something is wrong. Like there are things that were uh, that were really influenced by the Matrix. Westworld is one of them, very obviously, and now it has gone on to influence the thing that it was influenced by. I like, I really like the amount of time they take setting the movie up. I'm glad I didn't know about this movie. Yeah. yeah it was it's like we were making fun majorly because oh, yeah. of the lack of support. And that's usually a horrible sign. But also with the lack of support, there was a lack of all, all the spoilers. And yeah, I knew everything that was going to happen in Spider-Man because I knew all of the things and all the shots from behind the scenes that were constantly being posted. And then the trailers were giving away everything. So when things happened in that movie, I was like, oh, yeah, of course this is happening. So I was going to say, I know where the climax of the Spider-Man movie takes place, and I haven't even seen the movie. I've seen the trailers. And if you've seen the trailers, you too know where it is. Maybe you haven't put two and two together. Good. Lucky you, really. Like, I haven't seen Spider-Man yet, but I would like to be someone who doesn't know the things about Spider-Man that we know. Oh, And be yeah. able to watch the movie and be thrilled. like, fuck, oh my god, right? Exactly. I think people, and you know, I was reading some, you know, reviews about this movie and people were upset that they recast Agent Smith and Morpheus. Why are you upset? The film actually addresses why they did it. And they don't do like in The Mummy 3. It's like, again, it's this whole thing of if you don't address it, your audience will address it for you. Mm -hmm. Just like Force Awakens. They don't address why they built another Death Star, even though the Death Star didn't work two times before. They did it again. In this movie, they address why Agent Smith looks different, why Morpheus looks different, and you know what? Their explanations make sense in the logic of the universe, and I can applaud a movie for taking the time to do that, as opposed to just saying, we're not going to admit that or acknowledge the fact that this character clearly looks different. Yeah, imagine that. It's it's (laughs) Imagine to recast and actually have it make movie sense. Right, because they're not going to do that if they recast Black Panther. They could if they wanted to. They could. They didn't do it for uh, Whatchamajiggy. They didn't do it for War Machine. They didn't do it for War Machine. They didn't do it for the Hulk. That's for sure. Right. So I personally find it to be lazy because in these worlds, these fantastical worlds that they've built, they could just invent some bullshit to get themselves out of it. Like we have this – I mean fucking Batman did it. We have this resurrection pod here. The only constraint is it resurrects you and you look different. Yeah. I mean Doctor Who, right? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. James Bond still hasn't figured out how to get themselves out of that loop, and they never will, apparently. They don't care enough to, but Doctor Who did. Yeah, it's... you you got to acknowledge it, especially if it's one of your main characters. Don't just assume that the audience are morons. I'm surprised we like this movie. I was just, like, armed for bear. Like, oh, this is going to suck, and... When they started the movie the exact same way as the first movie, I was like, how dare you? How, how dare, dare you do stand that? where he stood? Okay. 
No, well, this makes sense now. All right. And I was glad too that they expanded the universe to have the Sequoia, even though I thought his name was going to be Sequence when they're calling him Seek. I liked that he can be like a virtual reality projection inside of the matrix. That yeah, makes like, total sense. Yeah. Like he's like augmented into their world. It's cool. Yeah. They didn't really explain when and how they can jump because they were like trapped in a car. And I was like, can't you just pull them out right now? That, that doesn't really, but do the cars, the like, do the cars mirror or like, does it have to be through a mirror? Cause sometimes they're moving around for like, go, go through that door type of thing. But you know what? I really don't care. I'm not going to pick holes at this. And that's the thing about this that I, I do agree with you. It's sometimes playing fast and loose enough. If you play fast and loose and I can follow your logic up into a point, I'm not going to mm-hmm. really question it. But it's when you play right. so narrow and like specifically defined that you clearly have left things out that you didn't think about, then you have a problem. Right. I mean, trust me. Pitch meeting, honest trailers, they're going to have a field day when it comes to, like, poking holes in this movie. You know, well, how does this happen? Unclear. They're going to easily do that. And I'm okay. Those people do a really good job of, like, pointing out some of the bigger holes and stuff. At least they're not everything wrong with where it's like they're picking apart stuff that is actually explained by the movie itself if you just paid fucking attention. Cinema sins, bro. How dare you? They have millions of subscribers. I fucking hate those guys. How did this guy become Agent Smith? Oh, did you not watch the movie? Sometimes, the fe- <laughs> some, as David Chase would say, it's all there. <laughs> it's all yeah. there for you. You know what? I'm willing to say this now, thinking about it, and maybe it's me. I would actually probably rather watch this than the original Matrix. Not for me. I will tell you why, because I like the message of this movie a lot more. The message is love, and it's important to like have someone with you. That hits home for me because I'm a pretty sentimental person and I love my wife a lot. And that's, you know, it's like that. I don't know. If I think back on the first movie, what does the first movie really have to say? It's got some really cool gun scenes. Yeah, but that's, uh, yeah, but I can watch those on YouTube. It has a philosophy. This movie Mm -hmm. actually, like, kind of actually has a message that I'm okay with. And like you said, it ends in such a way that I'm okay with this being it. And you know what? I used to complain that the second and third Matrix movies were so bad that they caused me to dislike the first movie, even though I love the first movie. Now I think with this fourth one, it's kind of a tonic. And I, I will, again, never see two and three again. Those little flashes from those, that, that's enough. Right. I don't need anything else. Yeah. It, that's good. what I was saying. Like, it, it, you could, you really probably need to see the first one, but two yeah. and three, like, th- as much as I know you don't like what Niobe has with Neo, they kind of almost get everything from two and three out of the way there too. In a, yeah. in a way that like, is it exposition dump? Sure. Is that old woman makeup bad? Sure. But is it like two minutes of the movie and that's it? Yeah. And it yeah. makes me avoid watching four hours of Matrix two and three, which is. <sighs> punishment not even one that i would give to my worst enemies because no. that third movie is fucking bad just <sighs> it was so bad that i'll tell you that i didn't even remember that they died at the end of it like that's how much i blanked it out of my head when somebody said how are they gonna bring them back they died i was like really they died i don't remember that <laughs> <laughs> well that's and that's the thing about like the second and third movies is I think the overwhelming majority of people would say that those movies weren't good. And so it almost doesn't even matter about the second and third movies matter in as much as 
they've set up where we are now, but like you don't need to talk about them, and they don't. Smartly, right. they don't. Lana Wachowski and David Mitchell and Alexander Hemmen know you don't like those movies. We're not going to bother you with them. Let's talk about a movie you might actually like. Pay attention to this one. I'm not surprised by the reaction, though. People are going to hate this movie. We're Just like how we're in the minority about not liking Dune 2021, we're going to be in the minority about liking The Matrix. Yeah. Uh, Resurrection. So, Resurrections. It's an interesting movie that, that does a lot of things that I would never in a million years have guessed. I never would have guessed they would have a movie using clips from the first three Matrix movies. Like, what? Who does that? What is that? Right. That's insanity. And they use them very, very quickly, too, which I was appreciative. You know, that whole idea of, is this a flashback? Is this a memory? Is this just a reminder for the audience? Right. You know? Oh, okay. This could be it. This could be a first entry in a new trilogy. Either way, this movie is a lot better than it had any right to be, being 20 years or whatever, 15, 10 years, and we're already talking like this movie should never have come out. For all intents and purposes, there should not be a fourth Matrix movie. To answer your question from the top of this show, there shouldn't be, but there is, and it's pretty damn good. So, Mike, where can people find you when we're not here talking about Matrix movies? You can always find me over at the Projection Booth Podcast, which... Oddly enough, is available at projectionboothpodcast.com. How about you, Chris? Cstashu.com, C-S-T-A-C-H-I-W.com is my link tree. Things that you and I work on, Barney Miller, Columbo, those things, that's where they are. Other than that, nowhere else. Flex, flip like 
Oh!